Hey, it's Chris Knight, founder of Self Intelligence. Welcome to another episode of the Self Intelligence Podcast, where everyday people just like you can get free expert guidance and support to resolve any personal problem or drama you're experiencing. Have you had doubt or felt frustrated in a relationship because who you are intimate with doesn't seem willing to do the inner work that could make the relationship thrive? In this podcast, I speak with Meg, who didn't feel her partner was willing to do the inner work that could have saved their relationship. In this discussion, we talk about how intuition can cause havoc in your relationship, the toxic emotional states that erode relationships, the deeper truth on how trust is lost and how you can gain it back, the universal law on staying attractive rather than repulsive to your partner, and what the inner work really is that makes relationships flourish. This episode is packed with value and surprising twists of awareness that could save or drastically improve your intimate relationships. Thank you, Meg, for coming on to the Self-Intelligence Podcast to discuss relationship, which I sense will take up most of the discussion, given that it's uh, the area that people experience drama and suffering in their lives, wanting to work out ways to resolve that. And there are many different avenues and angles to take and things to learn, so much to learn that we certainly weren't taught at school. I don't remember a class on relationship and self-discovery and how all that interplays and and so on. So we're learning this down the track. And I really appreciate you coming on. It's a very vulnerable subject to openly discuss. So recently you've had a separation and that's a very painful thing. If anyone can recognize it's uh, that the challenge of the grief of that and um, also wondering what went wrong, what happened, what you know, there's a lot to learn, massive, massive things to learn out of uh, separation. I, I certainly have had the biggest learnings of my life in separations. That's That's been my experience. Uh, in fact, I would say self-intelligence exists because of the separations that I've had. So it's huge. And so for you to to expand that awareness for us all um, is, is, is just amazing. And there are some challenges, aren't there, uh, that you've told me about before having this discussion around what happened what and what am I to learn to perhaps not go down the same route going forward. One of the challenges that you mentioned to me was that it felt like you were prepared to do the work for the relationship to work and flourish and so on but not so much feeling like the other side was prepared to do the work. And this is a major challenge for a lot of people. It's recognized now that there is this massive opportunity for self-discovery, for truth realization. If you weren't in the relationship, you wouldn't see these things about yourself. What are some of the things that relationship has shocked you in a sense about yourself that you were like, wow, if it wasn't for this... I wouldn't know that I would react this way or do that thing or tell me some of those things. I'm just seeing how attached I am in relationship, um, how my behavior has been in, in relationship. That's been quite a shock to me to observe myself. I see myself so differently when I'm not in relationship and then I get in a relationship and it's like, who am I? Who, have I, who is this person? It's like, this isn't me. Who? What? What is going on here? It's so confusing. Like as an example, my ex would take her phone into the bathroom and I'd be concerned the entire time of who she's texting. It continues on, the concern. It just, it's a constant paranoia concern. So this is what, this is where I'm most disempowered in relationship. And there's also this struggle as well with the aspect of like this, like spiritual knowing like I've experienced a lot of like deep down knowing of things and that's been true in many yeah many times it's it's been like I've I've dreamt something or I've felt something and it's so real and then when I've inquired with the person it's been true um so that's another area where I feel a large disempowerment is 
because these things come over me and I go, is this actually happening or is this just my mind creating something and then becoming paranoid about it? Yes, yes. Regardless, throughout the whole, that whole, like, yes, I might know that this person is now having sex with someone else, for instance. I might feel that within myself. However, there's just this huge disempowerment and paranoia that, that is attached to that. And that's where I've been in the last couple of weeks of just being feeling like my ex has, you know, gone off with someone else. I don't know any of this. However, I can feel it in me. And there's this, this thing that follows on of just complete paranoia, just losing myself. I'm scared. I'm, I'm questioning. I'm, I'm angry. I'm so angry over, over the disconnect. And when we've been so connected for so long and so deeply it's like how can someone just disconnect like that that's been my questions over the last month of going through this breakup of how can you just be so into me so interested and then suddenly just go oh no this isn't working now see ya and then it's like well where do i stand with you now who are you to me now it's like we've been so intimate, so close, so connected. We've experienced all of these beautiful things together. And now who are you to me? It's like I'm, I'm re, relearning who I am for myself in this moment and going, who am I without you? Or And do I want to be without you? Do I want to be your friend? Th- these are some questions that have been coming up for me. Yeah, there's a lot in what you just said. Firstly, uh, you're talking essentially about intuition and your ability to sense things that are happening that may not be in your physical experience, like perhaps sensing your partners being with other people or something like that. Those intuitive powers are not as consistent as you would think. They do. Sometimes they're correct. Sometimes they're not. Interestingly, the way the mind works, the ego works is to select when you know something and when you don't and sort of it, it kind of goes, oh, yes, no, I know when I know things like this, when I sense things, I know, I know, I know, because these are the times and the proof. It's very quick to actually forget the times where you actually sensed or you thought you were sensing something that actually amounted to nothing. Very quick to forget those things because it doesn't recharge and regenerate the fear cycles of the ego to remember that because that might put you back in the mystery, you see. Whereas if you apparently know something, then it can feed the fear state that you are actually in, which is the false sense of self that the relationship is trying to undo. The false self that it's trying to undo has been revealed a little bit more in the later part of what you were just talking about then, which is who am I and who is this person now to me that they have suddenly gone off potentially being with other people. This is what relationship separations are so important because they actually show you very clearly, at least for a little window, just a little window before you start getting traction on your false sense of self again. They give you a little window of you don't know who you are. And in that little window, there's an opportunity to ask some really profound questions, simple questions, but profound questions that actually bring you to stability would you describe yourself as stable when you're in this relationship? No, no, no. Could you relate to trying to find stability in the relationship? This is a, a theme for me. When I first get together with someone, it's you, It's when I'm most free and I feel anything can happen. I'm like, I'm open, I'm loving, I'm hearing from a place of love. And then one thing, it's just like a little paranoia gets brought in and suddenly it just goes, da 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 And it just, it's like it all just drops away. Perfect. Perfect. So you've talked about doing the work. What is the work that you are doing when that paranoia starts to come? Recently, I've been doing Landmark. So there's a couple of, like each week I do a seminar. And so it's those, it's, so it's not a consistent same type of work, but I kind of revert back to some of those questions. Um, I find when it comes to doing Byron Katie, I don't tend to do it on my own. I'll call friends usually. I'll call my friends and they'll question something out of me. Or um, So I, I do a variety of things, variety of things. And how effective has 
has it been that those things would clean up that um, paranoia, for example, for you that it wouldn't escalate and, and just sort of snowball out of control for you? Yeah, in particular to the paranoia, um, I'd say that I haven't really done the work on that. And it, yeah, it hasn't. It's This is why I guess I'm having this contact with you now because this is the next thing for me. It's the thing that I'm most disempowered in in relationship. And yeah, it does, doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, well, because the paranoia brings in the ultimate deal breaker for a relationship, which is mistrust. And if there's mistrust, there's no ground for a relationship to flow, to find its natural way. I have discovered that those who are willing to truly do the work that clears your own self, which is very far and few between. And this is on, this is this is goes for people who say they do the work. And as I inquire about what that is, just like we just did now, it's like, no, I haven't really looked at that. I haven't looked at that part. But all the while, I felt like I'm doing the work. And it's like, no, you're not. Because why? This paranoia is believed. The thoughts you're having are believed. And they're believed because they are deeply identified to be your voice, to be who you are. And if I was to do the work on these things, then who would I be? So rather than do the work, I prefer to keep the false sense of myself that will destroy this relationship and then project that the other person's not doing the work. It's just how we operate, you know. It's it's not a fault thing. It's just part of the learning, isn't it? It's like it's to, it took another relationship to come to the humbleness of seeing that. Okay, so was I working on this paranoia? Was I sincere in dissolving in that? Not really. I may have been working around it or something like this, but if I'm honest, I actually preferred to believe what I was being paranoid about. And when you believe you're paranoid about something or whatever you believe, whatever you believe, okay, you get a lot of proof for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was everywhere, daily, constant, yeah. It's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy, okay? It's like you orchestrate your own proof to take place. And if the other in your life is unconscious enough themselves, which they likely will be to be in your presence, because if someone's orbiting with you, they're often at a similar vibration, you see. So much delusion can happen now because you're, you're both kind of there. And so they will start playing out your delusion for you. Then they're going, what am I doing? Who, is, who am I right now? You know, And everyone's wondering, who am I, essentially, at the end of the day, aren't they? <laughs> Who is this? Who behaves like this? What, why am I reacting like this? Da, da, da. That is the actual question, isn't it? Who are you? Who are you beyond the thought that made you paranoid? Have that Has that been truly discovered? So we could do a process very specific on that where that work is very clear because otherwise a lot of this stays very conceptual. What I start with with everybody with the work is what's the problem? So, for example, the, the situation is she's taking the phone into the bathroom. This is not a problem yet. It's just what's happening. Then you make it a problem somehow. So the thoughts that I get people to be surgical about and masterful about being aware of are should, shouldn't, what if, need, being very clear about certain limiting beliefs. The problem could literally be a belief you have that people shouldn't take phones into the bathroom, for example, because phones just don't belong in the bathroom. That could be a belief you had that made that a problem. I'd, I'd be surprised if that was the actual thing, but that's what I mean by limiting belief. And the meaning of it, okay, so when anything happens, you create meaning on it. This is what it means. And then it points back to that intuition that you were talking about. You see, because I've had this strong feeling and I have knowings, you know, I know, I know these things and that thing and so on, you see. Your intuition right now is not working on your behalf. Your intuition is like a child with a gun is dangerous and it's dangerous for you because the one who's holding the gun's not stable. So a lot of people have very intuitive powers. You may have very deeply intuitive powers, but the actual, the one who's using them is not stable. 
So you got to get the one stable first before you're so convinced of your intuition and then it all works very well together. When the one who's not stable first is using their intuition, they usually project things and fear comes with that intuition and reaction comes with that intuition and it's all a mess. It's not respectful. It's not loving. It's protective, defensive. It's serving the ego. The discussion is how do I get my intuition to serve truth, not the ego, the fearful state? So firstly, you say, okay, well, I've got a problem. What is the thought that's making this a problem? Now you tell me, what is the should, shouldn't, or is it a what if? What if she's in there speaking to you fill in the blank? It is a concern that she's contacting someone that she's interested in, that she's going to leave me for that person. That's ultimately what what it is. Okay, yes. So a lot of people would be able to relate to being in a relationship, feeling like at any moment they may choose someone else. I mean, they chose me over someone else. So why wouldn't they choose someone else over me? Like the possibility is there. So the ego is like, yes, I can run for days on this. I can run for days on this bullshit because there's no possible way that you can get control here. And then there's this sense, well, I deserve to have someone who's not going to do that and I deserve this and all these other things come and I'm entitled to a da-da-da and I'm a da-da-da-da-da, right? But all the while, the universal truth that you get what you fear is in play. That actually, just that statement right there, that's what actually causes me more paranoia and more shame because I go, I think a thought and then I go, this thought is creating something and then I go, then I get paranoid about that. A thought doesn't create anything. A thought believed creates something. Now that's different because you can have a thought about anything. I mean, we have so many random thoughts and dreams and all sorts of stuff, right? All the time. The ones that cause you the suffering are the ones believed. The work, the work is to become the master of not believing thoughts because the master of self knows I'm only ever suffering a thought believed. She's in there and my mind is now creating imagery of her getting interested in someone else and leaving. This is what my mind is doing. Is my response to become the witness of this so much so that it dissolves within my witnessing or is my response just to not be able to help it but try to get some assurance from the outside that that's not going to happen now you be honest with me which way does it go oh yeah i'm looking for confirmation assurance yeah i want to think that i'm going about it internally but truthfully and she feels that too and and it it would it was so inauthentic there was such delusion going on she would even let me know when she was texting and who she was texting like her phone would ping and she'd go oh that's such and such and you know it became to that so she would she and she didn't even I didn't even speak into really what I was truly feeling about this paranoia she could feel that and her response you know whenever her phone would go off she'd be like oh yeah that's such and such because she'd know that I was like who's that who's she texting what's she saying and and I would constantly be looking for her confirmation of like, oh, you know, I'd ask little questions, delusional questions, just to have her confirm that she still loves me. And did she ever say, are you trying to find out this or that? Did she ever say it directly to you? No. Um, yeah, not really, no. For the audience who's listening, sometimes your partner will say it directly. They'll say, are you... Do you, do you don't trust me? Like, what, what, why are you asking me that? They might pick up on the nuance of your body language or your tone or whatever the case you see. Notice when you deny it, instantly deny it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not thinking, oh, no, no, I'm not thinking that. No, I'm, I don't have a concern with that. No, it's not, that's not an issue for me. Da, da, da. Instantly deny it because there's a game being played. It's the game of ego, see? And if something is being offered up as truth, the ego feels that that's a loss of power and control in the dynamic, okay? So this will happen. In your situation, she didn't ask you directly, so that's, well, we can leave it there. So 
She's starting to make compensations though for this feeling she's got. And that's already now creating mistrust in the relationship. Because if you're not able to witness your own thoughts and not believe them, how are you trustworthy? That's the simplest question you could ask. If I'm not able to witness my thoughts and not believe them, I'm the one who's not trustworthy, not she's the one who's not trustworthy. But the idea from most of society is that she should do special things to prove I can trust her, like not taking the phone into a bathroom or whatever, whatever. And the fact that she does is saying to me that she doesn't love me or this type of thing. These things go on in the mind as well. It gets more and more complex after that first bit that I just said is denied, that I'm the one who's not trustworthy. Okay. So you have your what if clear. Then you take your what if to some other questions. So for example, you might want to see the fears behind this become really clear about what those fears are. But what comes before the fear is judgment. And judgment is one of these things that we're in deep denial of as human beings, generally speaking. So let's say she goes into the bathroom with a phone. A whole range of judgments will come up within yourself to protect yourself from this event. Those judgments will go towards her. Those judgments will go towards yourself. Those judgments will go towards what other you might think other people are thinking about this. For example, like each situation is different as to how the judgments happen. But being aware of judgment is really important. So what judgments did you have towards her when she would do this? Uh, I get um, maybe something like not seeing her as capable. I'm going to help you because we didn't get clear on the meaning. And the meaning's going to help you with the judgment, I feel, in this situation. doesn't always, but in this situation. So you had your what if. She's going to be interested in someone else. What does that mean? It means that she's going to leave me and I'm going to be alone. Yes. I speak many, many times about our fear of being alone, being a very destructive force in our lives. There's two. The other one's less seen, which is the fear of boredom, actually. Huge. Huge. But you'll find a lot of your triggers come back down to the fear of being alone, wherever they start, however superficially they start. Okay. So what are your judgments towards her that she would put you in such a situation that you would be alone? I'm still trying to grapple on a judgment thought. Well, it's she's not doing the work when she should. Is that a judgment? Yes. Whenever you hear should, you have judgment. Yeah. She should be more mature. She should stick to her commitment, which was, Meg, I want to marry you. Meg, I want you to move in. And then two days later, she's like, get out of my house. So so you're uncommitted? Yeah. Yes, you're uncommitted. You're immature. Yes, good, good. What else? Um, you're not capable of a long-term relationship. You're not capable. That's great. Yes. So you're, yeah, you're incapable, immature, uncommitted. Nice. This is what we're talking about. This is good. This is good. Uh, Ed, do you have anything else? I'm sure there's more in there. But, I mean, they're, they're the main, yeah, they're key, yeah. So what's important about those couple of judgments to be aware of in doing the work is you are aware that those judgments are trying to protect you from something that you fear. Because the, the thing about the work is to not live life through fear. What was your idea of the purpose of the work? What was your, why, why would you do the work? Freedom. Freedom? Freedom from what? It, it's, it's about living a free life, power, freedom, full self-expression. Yeah, free from fear. And But oftentimes the work is mixed up with what you think you want. See, it's if I, if I get this, if I get what I want... Or if I can avoid what I don't want, then I'll be I'll be good. I'll be I feel good. None of those have to do with the actual true focus, which is to remove yourself of psychological fear states that essentially tracked that fear to you. 
the circumstances to you. This is what uh, is what we're wanting to be free of, free of myself. I'm the one creating the vibration that's happening. But instead, and I want you to see this for yourself and, and reflect on it for yourself, is has that work instead somehow taken its shiny light off me, the fearful one, and kind of reflected it outward and gone, the work is for the things I think will make me happy out there, like a relationship, for example. See, if we were committed, you said, you would do the work. You would be the person I want you to be. And if you were the person I want you to be, I would be happy. I've seen a lot of couples, many, many, who so-called do the work. And what they end up doing is causing a kind of war of who's doing the work, right? And sort of like projecting when the other should be doing the work. You know, you, you know, you've got some work to do there, okay? You've got some work to do there. Has this type of thing taken place in your experience? I do this with everyone in my life on a daily. <laughs> but yeah, it happened with my ex a lot. It's a very reasonable thing to say and it seems above board when, when you say it. But when you take a deeper look, something murky has taken place here. Something slightly manipulative has taken place here. If you're really honest and it's like, I'm afraid if you don't do such and such and such, then that's going to impact on me and it comes back to my own fears and of aloneness, da-da-da-da-da, you see? Totally selfish, yeah. Yes. So selfish could have been one of the terms you used as judgment. You're selfish. You don't do the work, for example. So every judgment that you mentioned, you'll be able to see that was me. I was I was immature. How was How are you immature? I was immature by thinking that I was doing the work when in fact, and I was believing that I was doing the work, I was being quite childlike. And that was the other one you mentioned, yeah. And how are you being uncommitted? Yeah, I mean, I'm being uncommitted by, by again, not, not actually doing the work, by projecting that, oh, I'm just seeing some things. Oh. Yeah, this is good, this is good. So let's just stop there because the reason, the primary reason that you came onto this podcast was to say the challenge I've had was that someone wasn't willing to do the work. But just in a couple of questions of doing the actual work, you discovered it was me. And it's not, it's not a, a, like I'm telling you this. You're clearly seeing it for yourself. That is the interruption that you've asked for by coming on. I, I couldn't see at the time when I was in it because I was so identified by those at first, the original thought, the original thought was believed. Then because it was believed, there was no inquiry that went from that point on. Why was it believed? Because I wasn't aware that that thought was taking place. If you would like to download a free beginner self-recognition guided meditation audio to start your journey of healing and freeing yourself from the inside out, see the link in the description or go to selfintelligence.com. I wasn't aware that the what if was getting traction until it was snowballing, for example. Now, I want to be clear because this can raise some pulses, what we've just done right here. Okay, like when there's abusive behavior, when there's, um, yeah, really toxic stuff going on in relationship and say, like, wait, 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 are you just saying that it's my problem that da, 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 this type of thing? The point of this conversation is to find the stable ground within yourself in which to respond to life in a powerful and a natural and intuitive way. Nothing about this condones abusive behavior in any respect at all. In fact, those who do the inner work are the least likely to experience abusive behavior because they are stable and they don't actually um, allow that kind of reciprocity to take place in their energetic field. It's almost like it just is not able to exist with them. We are energetic beings that give off a vibration of what sort of happens around us. We all experienced that at school with teachers. That There'd be one teacher you just didn't screw with. 
All the same rules apply to everyone. But just this teacher, you don't screw with. This teacher, we run a muck. We just run a muck with this teacher. Yeah, good example. What What's the difference? How they held themselves, what was internally going on, the children were responding to it, you were responding. This is the same thing. When you feel unstable inside, you feel like things are going to become very unstable outside. And so things start to fall apart and crumble, you see. Now, a relationship is a great way f- to, to, to discover this. And it doesn't just stop there. Many things will in life will bring this up for everybody, where we're unstable, where we've forgotten reality. So the fears, we can leave that at that fear of loss and fear of being alone. There are other things in there that particularly in relationships, the fear of failure is massive in relationship, for example. Um, there's different fears we could go into, but I feel like we've the loss and the grief is is significant there. And then you get questions that you would know from, say, Byron, Katie, how do you react when you believe the thought? So she's going to the bathroom, you believe the thought that she could, you know, this may mean the end and she's attracted other people and so on. I have a whole range of actual archetypal reactions that you can become more aware of. This is the archetypal reaction that I have. And the, because all it is is the moment you become aware of something, you're not the thing. When you're not aware of it, you're the thing. It's as simple as that. What have you noticed about the way that you react when you believe this thought? Do you get angry? Do you feel hurt? Do you get anxious? Do you get confused? What What are the sort of reactive responses to this? Yeah, Anxious nervousness is the biggest one. It's like, and then I find myself in relationship, that's me. I'm just, it's a, it's a, a constant ang- anxious, nervous energy. That that's, that's my main energetic throughout the whole relationship. Perfect. So everybody has different kind of ways that they typically react to things um, largely based on your energetic constitution and different things like that so you you become anxious you know this is kind of something that will happen and in becoming anxious certain behavior will take place and you mentioned abusiveness to me when we for when we're going to have this discussion tell me about that I feel maybe helpful to this part of where where we're at in the inquiry yeah well when the the anxiousness sets in And then I find myself doing certain behaviors and, you know, I can become quite obsessive. So I can, like, as an example, I'll obsessively check if she's online, you know, if she hasn't responded to a message. So to the, to the point where I've had to block her on all of my, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I even became obsessive to her daughter who's on messenger. She's 10 years old. And I'm obsessively going, she's online and she didn't check my message. She didn't respond. And if I were to speak into that with her, I would classify as being somewhat abusive. Like it's not, I'm not sharing with her from a loving perspective, but rather from a reactive. And that can just, that can go into all sorts of things. Like It becomes very complex from there, doesn't it? And everyone's a bit like confused. Like I don't know what's going on it's abusive as you said like i'm really glad that you've brought it up as abusive because it's often not seen as abusive particularly from an anxious kind of place but to project delusion onto others is its own abuse isn't it completely right whether it's anxious or whether it's angry or whether it's confused or whether it's overwhelmed or whether it's whatever it is i'm gonna make you feel what i feel exactly Right. There's this tendency whenever we're triggered by something, I want the world to feel the way I feel. And that, that would generally be the closest people around you because other people wouldn't take it. <laughs> They'd just be like, oh, get, you need to go away. Like, just go away. <laughs> I'm not dealing with whatever that is. But if there are people that are attached to you, uh, you know, have an investment in you, then they can be the punching bag for your projections. Now, of course, this is the mistrust deepening. I'm starting to understand a little bit more about why this relationship came to a close. And the way that we're speaking about it is not from judgment and who did the right thing and who did the wrong thing. We're just talking about it straight from a really profound learning because this 
until this point hasn't been as clear as this is right now, what's going on. But because of the pain you've experienced, the willingness in you is to become clearer about it, to truly, sincerely become clear about it, to truly, sincerely do that work that that makes you, as I often use this term, safe ground. I'm safe ground, not your safe ground. It's not your job to be safe ground. It's my job to be safe ground. What I've found is that when someone is prepared to do that work, you will still have anxiety and someone will respond really well to it in a way that does not create mistrust. So the anxiety may be there, but the mistrust doesn't come with it. When you're identified with this anxiety as yourself and there's not that capacity to see it, then the mistrust comes with the anxiety. Because I'm not suggesting don't be anxious. Because if you're anxious, you're abusive. That is not what's being suggested here. One second. What I'm suggesting is you identify the anxiety, you identify where it's come from, and then you discover who you are beyond this, which is not in an anxious state. And that becomes your healing process. That's how the relationship heals you because it keeps activating the unhealed delusional self, the fragmented self, the ego self. It keeps it'll, it, it won't let up on it. All she has to do is pick up a phone and do something random. It'll be there for you. you know, <laughs> it'll be just right there. It'll be ready to go. <laughs> okay, so you have your reaction and you see the damage it's causing. Then you take all of that to inquiry because now that you've seen it so clearly it's like okay I'm prepared now to bring the medicine of truth to this so the inquiry is the truth serum okay where where you basically ask questions to the thought that you had that was believed to be true and then that thought is dissolved in your seeing for example one of the questions is whose business is this So she takes her phone to the bathroom and whose business did you make it? I made it my own. You made it your business. Now you are now outside of yourself, if you like. You are in her business and does that come across as attractive or repulsive? Repulsive. Yeah, like if someone was in your business, would you find that attractive or repulsive? Totally repulsive. Right, so that's a universal law that you're working with. So you already know as you're going into a business, you know how repulsive you're becoming. This is when you lean back into your work to come stable so you're not repulsive, you see. You say, oh, I know what to do. I know what's here. I've seen this guy. Yeah, yeah, he's here. Repulsive, yeah, this is here. You know, And, and your partner may say, oh, are you in something? And you're like, yeah, 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 I've got that anxious not stuff coming up. I'll, I'll, I'll just let, just give me a sec with that and I'll tune in and work through that. And they go, oh, okay, great. That's what I mean by the mistrust doesn't happen. See, the stuff comes up, but the mistrust doesn't come with it. And now it's like, oh, everything can happen. Everything can ha- take place because you're looking after it. Uh, the idea from the ego is that it will say, oh, that means everything has to be suppressed. Everything has to be like pretended like it's not happening. It's the exact opposite. Everything now is available to take place. Nothing has to be hidden because of the fear that it will create repulsion and all that. Because the most attractive thing about a person or a being is that they come home to themselves. That is the most attractive possible quality is that no matter what happens, they're going to go home first. That's where they're going to go first. And then the conversation may come or the conversation may not need to come. Whatever happens naturally after that happens after that. The unattractive quality is I go outside first. I go to the thing as if it's worthy of looking at. Her taking her phone to the bathroom is not worthy of looking at. That's not worth as in terms of like, let's work that out. It's worthy of looking at as far as it takes you back to yourself, of course, but not in terms of it's worth discussing like it's a problem. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Now, you did mention when we were first going to have this conversation around commitment, she made a commitment to me. 
And if she really made a commitment to me, she would do the work. How do you feel about that statement now after this conversation? And 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 just dissect it for me a little bit. What what's changed about that those that sentence? If she was committed to me because she said she wanted to marry me and these things, right? If she was really committed to me, she would do the work. What what would you say about that now? It's clear that I wasn't committed and not to blame but just to be responsible that I've created that in the relationship um, and just and that I yeah I can just so see so clearly now see that I was going outward with that and looking at her to be committed and I can see this pattern that I've done this in the past so many times I'm looking for someone else to do the work for someone else to be that pillar for me but actually that's all me well because it because it, it goes against the original fear doesn't it right if the original fear is being alone how can you do the work because the work only brings you to your deepest aloneness and in your deepest aloneness you're at peace you are in the place of love unconditionally you are in the place where spontaneously your gifts come through you're in the place where intuition is now potent and not serving fear. This happens in your deepest aloneness, which is your natural state. If you would like to discover who you really are beyond the voice in your head and emotional states that cause relationship drama, stress, health issues, procrastination, sabotage, addictions, essentially all the drama and personal problems you can think of, Come and join me for the Wake Up Experience, which is the first step in freeing yourself from the inside out. See the link in the description for more details. And if that is not experienced beyond a concept, because if I can say that as words, that means nothing unless you are confirming in your experience that you are the intrinsic, uncreated awareness and there, are you feeling lonely? Well, no. No. But in the place that you are in that egoic separate self, personal place, you are lonely. You are afraid of all these things, yes? Yeah. And so it's like, that's fine. That's fine. There's no, that, that's going to happen. Bound, bound to happen. But it's to help me come back to that bigger truth, bigger realization, isn't it? That's why it's not about blame and judgment. As you said, it's not I was the problem and I it's my, all my fault because, of course, this partner you had has heaps of their own work to do. They've got an ego as well to deal with, like everybody does, right? Of course they do. It's just so much easier to see their shit. So many people will listen to this podcast, for example, even after everything that's been said and say, my partner has to see this. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And I'm not suggesting you don't share it with your partner and whatever. What I'm suggesting is looking in and going, where is that coming from? Is it coming from sharing or is it coming from just somewhere deep down a kind of a, I want them to change. I want them to be something else for me. And if you're honest, it can be really quite revealing when you, you know, and that's why sincerity is absolutely key with the work, the true work. The other thing I want to say here is the people that I know who do the work rarely ever talk about doing the work. I have actually noticed, Chris, when I've been doing things with you and Tess, like when we're doing the meditations, you know, I've gone through phases of this where I don't talk about it. And I know that. I know things. It's, it becomes so clear. And then, and then the moment, you know, you get out of that and then you're in a different place of, of not, of, you know, of then talking about the work. I talk, talk about it a lot at the moment. And thanks for mentioning that because, yeah, it's just clear that I'm not doing it. And, and if she was being toxic um, and she was being underhanded and all of those things, it would have all come very clearly out of your work but from a different place. But now it's like, ah, I've discovered this from a stable place. That was all the difference. 
because the I know mind is a is is a suffering environment. Sometimes yes, you have you know you're correct on certain things. Other times no. This is not the powerful place. That is a nightmare. Intuition for the unstable is a nightmare. We unpacked a little bit about the shadow aspect, the judgment, the fear. There's many other parts to that. Um, but some of the reaction patterns for you being anxiety and there's, there's nuances to look at there. And one of the inquiry questions and already in this marination in willingness to be sincere in the truth, you are a very different being right now because the power is back where the power belongs. So yeah, thank you for opening this conversation and revealing that there is an actual process when you're sincere to come into being safe ground for everybody, your intimate relationships, your children, your parents, your friends, everybody. You can be safe ground, meaning you are trustable. And when you're trustable, you are so loved. You are just so loved. You're just wanted. It's like, why would we not want you around? You're stable. We want you around. <laughs> you see? <laughs> we love you. Like, let's, you know. And so it's like, wow, what a way to be that that's who I am. I am that stable one. I am that one that's lovable by nature, that is enough by nature without having to do anything other than just to be safe ground. That's all you have to be. And how much that can trans transform, you know, other people's lives as well. Like how much, like you and Tess, you're so stable and how much you've helped others in being stable. It's That's profound. For those who don't know, Tess and I are in relationship. We are in lovership. We are in friendship. It's like it's everything. And this speak about work does not ever happen. You do, Are you doing the work? Am I doing the work? It doesn't even happen. Do you know what I mean? Because we're just living the work. So there's not a talk about it. It doesn't it doesn't happen like that. Do I get triggered by things? Does she get triggered by things, by life in general? Of course. Do all sorts of emotional reactions happen and, and things like this? Yes, absolutely. Does this get shared? Yes, we share things. Do sometimes we share not th some things? No, because it's not needed. It, it's just so natural. It just happens so naturally. There's no um, expectation. There's no requirement. Sharing may happen, sharing may not happen because what's being shared that's more important than any of that is the safe ground. And that is such love. It's like you you are so loving that you would remove yourself then project that onto me. That is love. We just had an example on the weekend that could have turned into, you know, a trivial thing that could have turned into a nightmare. You could, could, like these things happen. Tess has a thing with keys. She just doesn't look after keys very well. Uh, this is a bit of a history there. And uh, she used my key for my padlock for my bike and didn't put it back. And um, I had my son's birthday and we we're, were traveling all around the city and we needed the bike and bike locks and things. And I've locked our bikes up and there's no key to unlock them. So we've got a pretty significant issue. I've got to ride all the way home to get this key to find it's not in the place that it should be right? To then have to upturn the whole house to try and find this key. It's nowhere, right? To then find out it's some hidden in a little tiny pocket in one of her gym pants somewhere that we, you know, and so now I have to drive back and do all this acrobatics to, you know, because all she had to do was put the key back. This is all that had to happen, right? Now this type of thing can cause significant disturbance in the day we were having an amazing fun day you know adventuring around doing whatever and and now it's been disturbed by this and just the way we approach it is the same as what we just talked about what is the should what is the shouldn't what is the what if what is the da 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 she knows that i'm upset about it and i know she knows that i'm upset about it do i have to make it a bigger deal than that she knows it's causing the inconvenience I know that she knows that, but if I didn't trust her, then I would have to make it something, but I don't mistrust. So I made it very clear that I wasn't happy with it and that this is the better way forward and that was that, done. 
day moves on, no drama, no fight, nothing. And then no disrespect, you see. And because those reactions create habits and those habits get locked into the relationship patterning. And then it's just like no matter what happens, this pattern of reactivity and trigger happens, you see. And it's like how do we get out of this? How do we get out of this cycle of doing this? And it can happen in the most trivial things. Like that was relatively trivial, really, you know. But so is taking a phone into your bathroom or something like that. But I find most triggers happen with the trivial. They're the ones that happen most common, not the not the big things like being cheated on or these things. These don't things that don't happen regularly, like what you're talking about and what I'm talking about. So how do we gain this trust with ourselves is truly doing the work. How did you lose mistrust with this person by not realizing that wasn't taking place, that there was projections happening? She's like, you won't even look at yourself and you think I've got to do the work. Like how, where do we go from here? You're creating a deal breaker situation, not even knowing you're doing it. That's how innocent it is. You've got to forgive yourself for the fact that your awareness was where it was at the time. Your awareness is different right in this second and you'll be challenged again, no doubt, to where you're going to go. And next time when you're in the trenches like that, I hope you reach out to myself or Tess or someone. Friends aren't always the best people. Not always. They may be. You may have great supportive friends. I often find friends don't have the depth of understanding not for it to turn into some kind of projection even at a low level. Yeah, there's... There's only a few handful that I will speak to about these things because I don't want agreement with what I'm going through. Yes. I do not want agreement. It's the last thing I actually want. So I will call, there's only two friends that I speak to about these things that I know won't agree and won't, you know, they'll ask the right questions. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So thank you. Thank you so much for revealing that there is a way out of these cycles, there's a way to a, a greater harmony um, and love and respect that is not conceptual. So I look forward to continuing that journey with you and seeing what unfolds for you as it yeah, manifests out from here. Mm, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you got value out of this, please share it so that other people can benefit also. If you are fed up with the drama, overwhelm or suffering going on in your life and you would like expert guidance and support tailored to your situation, come and be a guest on the Self-Intelligence Podcast. Don't go another day confused how to address the challenges you are facing. If you want to be a guest, go to the link in the description below. And for more information about Self-Intelligence, including joining my next wake-up experience or detailed information about my 12-week Self-Intelligence course, go to selfintelligence.com.